On this episode of the Flophouse, we discuss Uninvited. Another Shocktober platter of splatter for all you sicko freaks. everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy hey i'm Stuart wellington i'm elliot kalen really revved up that time didn't expect it yeah mm-hmm. and with us today we have a very exciting guest we have you know her from uh writing the books sharp objects dark places gone girl and also adapting uh i would say the good versions of those uh you, uh, you know her from Utopia, her new show on Amazon. It's Gillian mm-hmm. Flynn is here. Hello. Thank I'm you so for excited. having me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Gillian. Thanks so much. What? Huh? I was just saying, <laughs> hey, Gillian. Uh, I, you know, oh, I'm I thought you said, I thought you you're said here, hey, but... Elliot. And I was like, I know, Stu, it, I, you, know, I, you're, you know I'm here. But you said, hey, Gillian, not hey, yeah, Elliot. Yeah. So I apologize. And I, I just want to take, I, I think Dan deserves a little victory lap because that was a pretty good introduction there, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, Certainly the know, best one we've done. Yeah. Elliot berated me for, uh, he's like, you know, do it professional this time. And I don't want to, you know, point fingers at Elliot. But sometimes I have a professional <laughs> introduction. And Elliot is the third person who gets introduced before the guest. And he goes off on a long flight of fancy that, <laughs> that confuses and dismays me. You don't have to join the flight of fancy. You can just let the plane take off and wait for it to land, and then you can introduce mm-hmm. the guest. I just, Dan, I always remind you just because of our notorious Joe Bob Briggs episode, where you left the guest <laughs> flailing, not knowing whether he should start talking or mm-hmm. if he was even there. That was the episode where we discussed the Duran Duran song Notorious, right? Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was our notorious episode. Um, yeah, I would just like to remind uh, our guests that um, she should feel free to interrupt any of us at any time because we tend to talk too much. Um, I would, I would, I would also like to say that uh, you may also know me if you lived in Kansas City, Missouri, in 1987 for dressing as a tuxedoed frozen yogurt and handing out yogurt samples. So wow. that's just another bit of my work that I'd like to get in there. And 1987 also happens to be the year of the movie we're discussing. Oh, oh. what a segue. Oh, Already a more professional segue. than us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, I uh, not to get us off on a tangent, but what kind of yogurt place puts their yogurt in tuxedos? Fancy one. A very fancy, <laughs> super fancy black tie yogurt place. TCMFY, the country's most formal yogurt? It was the really long, oh yeah, it was one of the really long name, the country's best frozen yogurt, or yeah, TCBIY, I think. Now, you wrote a thing for the New Yorker about this, I believe, and Uh, uh, I would like to ask... About uh, frozen yogurt? Well, about wearing the costume, I think, was mostly... It was one of those, um, like, what was your worst job, or like, your craziest job, or... Now, how does one uh, get the New Yorker to actually publish what you send to them? Do you have to be a best-selling writer? Because I haven't done that part yet. But <laughs> uh, if you have a previously 
Crazy Job. I think I was just part of the previously Crazy Job series. Mm. It was between that and my work, uh, consistent work through high school and college as a ham display girl uh, <laughs> at, at Honey Baked Ham, in which case I would take, you know, because cu- customers get crazy about the spiral on the ham, and so they want you to unwrap it so they can make sure the spiral looks spiraled and then rewrap it. They don't like that one. Can I see a different spiral? So I always went through the holiday seasons with my fingers just absolutely just duck wrapped, duct tape wrapped in uh, bandages. There's a, would- there's a chapter in Uzumaki about spirals on hams, right? <laughs> 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 I, I would I would love it if it is a monkey they re, they wander into a grocery store and they're just horrified by the spiral cut hams. <laughs> everywhere spirals everywhere even our beloved hams. Why? Um, they, open uh, up, they open up an issue of uh, an issue of X Force where I guess Mojo is in it. They're like spiral. Why is spiral in this? Oh no, mm-hmm. that's an yeah. excellent joke for the yeah. listeners. T- taste better spiral. That's our motto around here. Was that? I, I guess the spiral cutting unlocks the the flavor juices that would otherwise be kept inside if they were uh, cut in a less uh, snail shelly way. I don't know hand yeah. science, but it also involves the great children's game where you can kind of bounce it down the stairs like a slinky. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is there? There was a commercial for those hams where the a guy put a ball bearing on the spiral and it rolled all the way around the ham a couple times. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I think you're thinking of uh, luxury cars, Stu. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, Gillian, I, I, uh, yeah, let's uh, segue into the movie. You uh, chose this one. It's called Uninvited. It's from 1987. I believe it was straight to VHS. Uh, that's what I found in my research. I didn't see anything about a theatrical release, I but think, that could be wrong. I think, I think it was a straight-to-video movie. Uh, this was written and directed by Graydon Clark, who uh, Mystery Science Theater viewers will know from a number of different movies, and Dan will know from the classic boobs and video games hit Joysticks, number one at the I, box office the week it came out. I was going to say, I looked it up. Yeah, he directed Joysticks, one of my favorite uh, teen sex comedies. That was one of these movies that uh, is about video games in such a way that it's clear that they thought video games were going to be a fad that they needed to jump onto. Well, that's, and uh, went... likewise, he also directed The Forbidden Dance about the Lombada. That's the one of two movies about the Lombada. This is the one with Laura Herring from Mulholland Drive in it. As uh, she's a, I believe, uh, Amazon princess who has come to America to uh, stop the deforestation of the Amazon and gets involved in a Lombada contest. Yeah, through dance. Uh, yeah. I, Dan, did I ever tell you about the screening of Joysticks I went to where they the hosts called Great on Clark and they over the phone interviewed him? No. And he, he was basically said like, yeah, I went to the mall and I saw these kids lining up to play video games. And I was like, if we could get them to go see a movie, we'd be millionaires. So we made this movie. <laughs> and they picked a weekend when nothing else was coming out. So they were number one at the box office nationwide. <laughs> I mean, um, you can't argue with that. Clever. Just good business now, sense. It now, is a unfortunately, fun, dumb movie. Uninvited, uh, they didn't, because it was direct to video, they did not have that. Although the titles right off the bat tell you this is an amazing movie's production, mm-hmm. which is yeah. promising <laughs> yeah. a lot. Now, Gillian, you're an aficionado of both bad movies and uh, horror movies, I've learned in our very brief com- uh, conversations. <laughs> I, I make it out like we've known each other for years. Uh, uh, why did you choose this one? I chose this one. I love 
80s horror movies in particular. Um, they're just, they're kind of what I grew up on. They remind me of, you know, sneaking at home with my friends who had the luxury of cable, which we did not. Um, and just watching like all those, uh, just all those crazy movies. Or in Kansas City, we grew up with Friday Fright Night. That was our particular yeah. brand of the local scare movie night with a host who, with a cat named Caffeina, who I, I was <laughs> loved. Um, and so I just like, you know, it has all the great kind of 80s movie like staples. Like it has, like I love, don't you like, I love the like opening music for it like it just sort of sets you it's like okay you're doing a little john carpenter here but also mm -hmm. columbo mm -hmm. um and you know it has a lot of 80s dancing and music on yachts and the classic 80s characters that you can you know like oh it's the nerd it's the rich douche it's the girl who will get killed and the girl who won't and all of which yeah. we should discuss get very confused later on about who is yeah. playing what, like the guy dressed like the nerd is not the nerd. I would like, I really want to, I think it's important we get into that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and it also, has, it also has my other favorite, which is people falling into water. Another yeah, yeah. 80s staple. Or being tossed. <laughs> yeah. Toss, <laughs> fall, dive, never uh, resurfacing. Since you mentioned the music, I just want to say I looked up the composer and the composer for this did uh, 210 episodes of America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> are, you sure, I mean, I, are you sure it's not just that he wrote the theme song? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> or, I don't know I that mean, they had separate scores, separate scores for every they episode. they had like, a little underscoring, though, while like the boing sound effects oh, so he, and stuff. So he yeah, was yeah, the yeah. guy who wrote... While Bob sang, it was like, oh, yeah. what's this over here? I hope it won't hit me in the nuts. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, what I, a, like what a Sisyphean wish <laughs> that you won't get hit in the nuts in a video on America's Home Video. But the thing is, if the videos were that funny, they would not have needed Bob Saget to then voice the characters in the wow. videos, right? I put that to you. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Wow. America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately for our guests, I'm in the driver's seat uh, for the synopsis this time, and. Uh, so bear uh, with that, along with the 20 minutes of Skype problems we had before this episode. <laughs> uh, but let's just start off with the tale of Uninvited, which uh, we uh, come in. There's some doctors who are giving a cat experimental treatments of some kind. Now, one of these doctors is the director, Great on Clark, oh. named here. Oh, fact. Mm -hmm. um, and, this, and this is a very good, I, I just got to get this out of the way up front. This is a very good cat actor, right? He's great. He's fluffy. <laughs> He's very fluffy. I wouldn't say, I mean, cat actors are notoriously difficult. And I would say you have to add a plural to that because they clearly went through at least 600 cats during the filming of Uninvited. They look, sometimes look entirely different um, in addition to the cat puppets that we'll get the, into. The cat seems to, uh, by going into the ocean at the end of the movie, spoiler, the cat changes color miraculously uh yeah we'll definitely get to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah doctors are are experimenting on this cat it, it escapes uh out the door everyone panics uh and they they try and hit it with a tranquilizer dart to no avail and a tinier uglier cat comes out of the cat's mouth and kills the security guards in the stairwell, and buckets of blood just splatter on the wall. 
in a way that I have no idea what injury this cat is doing to just spray <laughs> blood everywhere. Also, I don't know what this experiment is in creating a smaller cat that comes out of a cat. Like, Clearly, they were doing experiments to see if you could solve Alzheimer's by putting a tiny person inside of a regular person's mouth. And when you forgot something, the tiny person would go, Psst, hey, that's your daughter or something like that. And it just like remind you. They start out with cats and it didn't work out clearly. I thought, I, it was, I thought it was possibly like an earlier form of the turducken. Like they were oh. sort of like, someday this could be huge. <laughs> the scientific breakthrough was realizing they the should world. stuff the animals after they were already dead, yeah. rather than yeah. trying to breed them inside each other's throats. People love cats. Wouldn't they love two cats inside of one cat? Now, let's do three cats. They're like, we've got to get pocket cats on the market by Christmas. Mm -hmm. this, is the, this is the thing all the kids are going to want. Now, I'm glad that we're getting getting it out of the way right up front, that we're talking about the fact there's a smaller cat inside the original cat. But that, the smaller cat, which is the one doing all the trouble, kind of looks like if you asked a child, like it was designed by a child who's like, I'm going to make the muscliest cat. <laughs> like, it looks like a beefy little wrestling buddy of a cat. It's really awesome. <laughs> And it yeah, often I, seems to be smiling. Like, I, I like it sort of like, like, I'm here, like kind of jazz hands almost. <laughs> like the, the, little, the little demon cat that pops out of his mouth thinks that people are going to love this. Yeah. Like, that it's, it's just yeah. having a great time. Ta -da! <laughs> yeah, he sees uh, the merchandising opportunities already. It, in a way, I, it's, I, kind of, it's kind of like a horror version of Michigan J. Frog. Like when the wrong, when <laughs> most people are like, oh, it's just a cat. But when you look at it, a demon pops out and is like, hello. <laughs> I also, I mean, like, I, I'm not totally sure of the nature of this uh, mutant cat because early in the movie, it kind of seems like like a smaller cat just pops out of the mouth like, you know, the second uh, mouth in an alien. Okay. But uh, then later on, it seems like the mutant uh, monster can move independently of the cat, like it can come fully out of the cat, which makes me wonder... What happens, like, the, is the cat normal then once that mutant leaves it? Or is it just like a skin suit that the mutant is wearing? The mythology of the cat-mutant puppet situation is, <laughs> is it, it's many and varied, I think. You know, because sometimes it comes out and it becomes larger, it seems like. It turns oh, yeah. kind of puma size. Sometimes it looks like a seal. Sometimes they give it a little hair gel. Sometimes it looks scraggly, and you can feel, see feel the dust mites coming out of someone's old childhood beloved stuffed animal. Yeah, so it, it is. There's a lot happening with the. Well, yeah, that's the hilarious thing is like not only is obviously the mutant cat a puppet, but the supposedly real cat also has to be a puppet because I don't know if you guys know this, you can't have like a, a puppet cat come out of a real cat. Well, no, they they did a they did the old classic thing of a of a larger than normal cat head puppet that yeah. the then small cat comes out of and that large cat puppet they i think they just run out of caring of how it's lit so by the end of yeah. the movie it just looks like a goofy it looks like the baby from dinosaurs like it just yeah. looks like a cartoon yeah. character you got it yeah. at a carnival or something yeah it's got a it has that big grin it's like you know a cheshire cat or some a cat that is playing a fiddle or something Ain't you I know. stinker yeah okay, so, so I, uh dan we also get, uh, during the sequence, they're chasing through a parking garage, and we get a little bit of cat-o-vision, where the yeah, camera is low on the ground, and it gets mm -hmm. to run around like you are the cat. <laughs> Which Just is like Jaws. Yeah, you feel so powerful <laughs> when, you're, when you're the cat for a moment, right? Yeah. 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 And you know, when they- <laughs> The ultimate they didn't fantasy. Go, it made me think, wish that there was a, uh, a Friday the 13th parody where Jason is a cat, 
And instead of the music going, ch, 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 it goes, meow, 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 like that. <laughs> so Similarly, okay. guys, similarly. Oh, just, it's the Halloween movies. Instead of Michael Myers, it's a cat. And the music goes, Okay, let me think of some other horror movies with specific musical stings so I can turn okay. them into cat sounds. Um, uh, I mean, there's okay, kind it's, of the... It's Psycho. Instead of Norman Bates, it's Norman mm-hmm. Katz. He runs the, the Bates yep. Cattel. It's uh-huh. a cat hotel. There's a uh-huh. cat taking this a shower, seems, which yeah. is this weird. This kind of lazy, the, like the naming showers, And Norman Bates comes in a text and goes, Meow, 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 meow. Yep. Okay, what's okay. another one? Okay, guys, wait, hold on. No, uh-huh. we don't have. <laughs> okay, don't... it's Jaws, like you mentioned before, but it's a yeah, cat. That's... Now, cats also uh-huh. have Jaws, so we just call it Jaws. That's fine, because okay. cats have yeah. Jaws, too. And uh, that was like, meow, 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 meow. Okay, let me think of another one. Hold on, guys. No, we're not doing this anymore. So the security guards are all dead so the doctors themselves are running around this um parking garage with guns trying to shoot this cat well, the, but they all well, the get doctor, killed the doctor cat. takes a gun from a security guard and then that security guard gets killed and it's like yeah. what kind of come on doctor <laughs> <laughs> the cat escapes uh we cut to there are a couple of young female spring breakers mm-hmm. uh they're wearing shirts that have big slits cut out of them over bikinis and they Love are uh, attempting to check into a hotel, but they're being turned away until Walter, an important-seeming uh, sort of sleazy guy with a mustache, steps in and says, oh, they're with me. He gives such a strong first impression that his character reveal over time is shocking for me. Like, <laughs> at first he that seemed is... like, you know, like he seemed like the most interesting man in the world. And then he quickly devolves into like, like a simpering weirdo. <laughs> I feel like he was trying to jam every villain that he'd ever seen in a movie. Like he was like, this is my one shot. Cause at first he's kind of like, I'm a, Forbesian business dick, like then <laughs> yeah. he's that he's sort of you know maybe, but maybe I'm in the mafia. Then he's yeah. like, but mm-hmm. I could be a chilling sociopath with clever one-liners. And then by then he's just devolved into uh, someone who has a lot of after-dinner bananas, a lot of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of rather than the cocktails. It was it was seeing him eat a banana at a party was something yes. that I was not expecting when this character was first introduced as a captain of industry. <laughs> it, it felt like as one of those things where actors are like, this is a brave choice. I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing something here. I'm doing, you know, bear with me. It's his thing. He's <laughs> like, Graydon, I've got to do something with my hands in this scene. Just hand me that banana. Really? Because you're supposed to be like a billionaire. Just give me that banana. Billionaires like bananas, right? You could right? have a martini, sir. Wouldn't that be banana? <laughs> what banana. if I put the banana in the martini? No. Uh, that, now, Dan, these two sisters. We just confused the audience. We this should mention when... these, are, these are two sisters, Bonnie and Suzanne. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Bonnie is the party girl, and Suzanne is the uh, emotionally unstable, prone to hysterics as the movie goes on girl. Well, yeah, only, only as the movie goes on. Early on, my notes are a little fuzzy on them and the guys who are about to show up because uh, the the two lead women and the two lead guys, I mean, not ultimately the leads, but like the ones that we, we are introduced to first, seem sort of interchangeable at first, and then over the course of time, they... They, they come into focus. I would say yes about the girls, not about the boys. When we get to them, I'll tell you my, my theory okay. about them. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, so 
George with the Kennedy. Girl, with the girls, don't you start out going like, okay, which one of you is the good girl who gets to yes, live and right. which is the bad girl who's going to die? Exactly. And then you're kind of like, I don't know, you're both only wearing bikinis wherever you go. Like, <laughs> yes, their fashion choices were so bold that I wasn't really thinking too much. I was like, man, could I pull that off? Maybe. <laughs> can I, can well, I also, go into They both seem like perfectly nice. They're like very like party spring breaker types, but they're not like, I mean, yeah. other than, other than like <laughs> just leaping onto the chance to go to like a yacht, uh, which is fine. Yo- but, YOLO, like, dude. Yeah, come yeah. on. I mean, they're very comfortable leading on a mustachioed millionaire, which is always a bad idea. But uh, yes. they, they, they are – I wish I had the confidence they have to sit in the fancy restaurant of a hotel where, uh, showing off their hip bones. Like, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> they're having dinner, and uh, Walter's two subordinates show up. They're kind of, uh, you know, like his muscle, it seems like. They're menacing. Uh, one menacing of them is older ju- gentlemen. Yeah, but they're tough. Like – one of them is George Kennedy, who uh, is an interesting fellow because, you know, he ha- he won the Oscar for Cool Hand Luke. Uh, and, you know, later in his career, he was in, you know, Police police Squad, the Naked Gun movies. But he did have this lull in the middle where he would just appear in whatever. <laughs> and uh, the other one is Clue Gulliger, who is in my favorite zombie movie, Return of the Living Dead. And here he is acting with giant fake teeth, which is a choice I do not understand. It is. He is such. He is such a cartoon character in this movie. Yeah. And you ha- and I have to assume he was like, "This is garbage. I'm going to just do whatever I want." And yeah. so he's like, he's like a character out of like. Um, uh, of like Green Acres or something like that, you know, yeah. suddenly showing up. Yes, in the... he's like Ernest before there was Ernest, or maybe at the same time there was Ernest. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think he, he would go to parties and be like, "I was Ernest before"? Clue <laughs> <laughs> Gulliver is like Jim Varney, and I were workshopping characters at the same regional theater, and suddenly he's making movies, and I, my character Albert barely shows up anywhere. This is bullshit. <laughs> You know. Um, yeah, but uh, George Kennedy is clearly annoyed to see Walter, uh, you know, tearing with these young ladies. He's got a meeting, so they go to this business meeting. And it turns out, so Walter's this big Wall Street guy. Wait, wait, before they go to the meeting, what does he do yeah. to the girls? Oh, uh, he invites them uh, to his yacht. He invites them to the yacht. Beginning a theme that I think Dan and I will have some disagreement on, no one in this movie is uninvited. Every character uh, receives I, I an invitation at some point. When, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But as you'll see, the movie Uninvited has a distinct lack of uninvited guests. Yeah. Well, they go to the yacht, Dan. Tell me about this meeting. Uh, they go to this meeting. Uh, Walter is this Wall Street uh, hotshot, but the SEC is closing in on him. He uh, is a fraudster of some kind. Uh, I'm not really clear on what's going on with this guy he's meeting. So this guy, um, Daryl, I think he knows something that could get them in trouble. Yeah. And so they, they are going to try to bribe him, and oh, they okay. barely wait for his answer before they just drown him in the jacuzzi. And yeah. one thing that was funny was they're clearly saying SEC, which makes sense, the Security mm-hmm. and Exchange Commission. But the captions on Amazon Prime say FCC, the Federal Communications <laughs> Commission. And I was like, what, what's the FCC going to do to him that's that bad? Like, yeah. does he own two st- TV stations in the same market? Like, what's the problem? <laughs> yeah, Walter revealed his nipple at the Super Bowl. <laughs> They're going to find him. Yeah. And it's not even his fault. Like, the, no. the other guys involved, no. just as bad. It's fucked up. <laughs> He's like, why did I say fuck on Saturday Night Live? That was a mistake. Now i got to run for yeah. my life. Uh, um, yeah. 
So as you say, uh, uh, Clue kills this dude by drowning him in a hot tub. Falling we... into water, check, and double yep. check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I like and... about it is it's like, it, it's easy to fall over a boat into water, but to fall into water on the boat, um, yeah. that takes guts. Very so meta. Um, <laughs> First they offer him, they offer him three metal suitcases, each one containing a million bucks in cash, and those will come up later. And they're yeah, like, I'm assuming so they don't open like, them. It could be like, like t- uh, what's that like? Pick the case with the money game. What's that game show? Oh, yeah. Uh, gold, gold bricks? No. Make me uh, a millionaire or, yeah, something. It could Make, be. Steal my case? Steal my, steal my case. Uh, um, uh, yeah, it does feel like show? just rubbing it in that they're showing the money to him before killing him. Well, like, it's so huh? funny because it's like, here's a case of a million dollars. Will this buy your silence? I don't know, guys. Well, uh, here's a second well, case. I, how about if we kill you? <laughs> Would that and, help? And it'd be funny if while he's drowning, he's like, I didn't know this was an option. I'll take the cases. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> while he's drowning, do you think he's like, I hope I don't get a bacteria infection. <laughs> Jacuzzis <laughs> are notoriously gross. How often do you have this filtered? <laughs> yeah. So we cut from this murder to... Oh, it's a uh, deal or no deal is the briefcase show, right? Thank you. That... that very important. Starring uh, Howard to, Mandel. Yeah. We cut to uh, a guy at a gas station feeding the mutant cat some milk, and this goes on for a long time. <laughs> he pets him for so long. <laughs> and I'm I'm on board with this as a cat lover. I'm like, this is fine because like the, one of the things about this movie is the cat when it's not you know spewing out its mutant spawn is a very cute cat. So like maybe not the best villain for your film. I would I would argue. Uh, but so I'm enjoying this cat, enjoying its milk. Um, I mean, I'm a little concerned because milk isn't necessarily good for cats. It can lead to diarrhea true. and stuff. Yeah, that is true. I just, uh, I just, I was just like, are we gonna find out this character's face? Who's petting this cat? Because it's mm-hmm. shot in such a way that you don't know who it is, and usually that means it's kind of a mysterious, ominous character. Yeah. But in yeah. this case, it's literally just probably they had in a, someone in an earlier scene and they didn't want to show his face because they didn't have a new actor for it. Just a guy and uh, two other guys come and they beat him up and steal his truck, And but the cat gets in the back of the truck and kills them, presumably, I guess, in retribution <laughs> for beating up this guy who was giving them milk, and the truck falls down in embankment in slow motion for a very long time. Um, yeah, it's great. It's like yeah, a, so, it's like the cat's first revenge killing. He's yeah. got a taste for it now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this yeah, he's trying has... to he's trying to win back the audience's good graces at this point because at first yeah. he just killed a bunch of he killed an unarmed security guard like peeled mm-hmm. his face right yeah. off. It was horrible. But now he's got to kill these two jerks. It's, it's now he's the, a vigilante. It's the, it's the classic save the cats you know thing in screenwriting, but it's the cat saving the cat with the yeah, cat. Exactly. Yeah, you get a cat in a truck, you throw rocks. At the truck, and then the truck falls down a hill. I mean, Classic early in this movie, the cat is only killing bad people. I gotta say. Yeah, uh, I mean, the workers at the lab might disagree with that. Sure, they're doing uh, questionable, they were ethically questionable. They were mutating on... him. They were mutating yeah. him. I, uh, the I don't security blame guards, too. It's like a Michael Moore cat who's like, I hate this evil corporation, so I'm gonna bother a security guard all day. <laughs> and it's like, he's not the problem, Michael Moore. Like, come on, Michael Moore cat. I would like to point out that the cat in this first revenge killing and in one of its many metamorphoses has webbed webbed feet <laughs> when he reaches out when he reaches out from behind the driver to attack him he has webbed claw feet and then I, so at that point i was like is it a platypus 
Yeah. <laughs> is it like what's it turning into? What's going to happen? Is, yeah. I mean, maybe that was the experiment to see whether you could turn a cat into a platypus, and I, the side I, effect was it has a tiny little monster baby in its throat, and they oh. didn't see that coming. You know? They're like, this isn't yeah. a platypus. We <laughs> have the name ready and everything. Yeah. So we cut to uh, two dudes who are hanging out at the marina, looking to pick up women. One of them is a sort of a preppy guy, uh-huh. and one of them is wearing more like I don't know party dude shirts. Yeah, I don't like know. a real Jason and Stu situation. So this yeah. is this is Corey and Lance, and they are so clearly some sort of universal primordial Zack and Slater from Saved by the Bell. Like, I was like, yeah. I gotta find out. Like, it, it was like the world's collective unconscious was like, we need a Zack and Slater. And first the, it got to this movie and it wasn't quite right. And then it finally got to Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Because it's literally like preppy with like a polo shirt and his best friend is wearing like neon sleeveless gym wear. It well, was, not, but not yet weird. though. I would like to point out, again, in the ongoing confusion of my 80s stereotypes, the non-blonde preppy guy is at first uh-huh. dressed very similarly to the classic 80s nerd sidekick, a ducky-like mm-hmm. type, because he has the awkward hat, yeah. and yes. he's got the Hawaiian shirt, That's and he's kind of like, and he's seasick, he's like, whoa, and then mm-hmm. later it's revealed to be that he's a world-class wrestler. Um, <laughs> Big and, steward energy right there. And party girl starts <laughs> making out with him immediately, despite the yeah. vomit. So yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's like the scene in The Believer when uh, when uh, Ryan Gosling throws up and then his girlfriend kisses him right afterwards to calm him down. And I was like, ew, gross. That's even but... grosser than his dabbling with anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> so they're sitting around and there's, you know, jaunty sort of electric keyboard music playing and our two spring breakers uh, come join them. They're immediately attracted to them. Then their bearded friend, uh, uh Hedgeworth, they call him. I guess that's his mm-hmm. last name. His is like what's his first name again? I'm Mike. Mike. Mike Hedgeworth shows up for the first half of the movie. They just call him Hedgeworth. Yeah, they because uh, isn't George uh, Kennedy's character Mike Kelly? Or oh, to be I honest, also Mike. I yeah. never knew his name. Too many. I never Mikes. knew his name. For a long time, yeah. they were yelling Mike so often. They yell everyone's name in this movie a lot, uh-huh. and they're yeah. like Mike, Mike. I thought Mike. I literally thought Mike was the cat. I thought that they, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cool cat name. Uh, <laughs> so Hedgeworth's there to say that there's no hotel for them in town, and they're. Uh, I, they seem re- very annoyed that he has joined them. I guess because the men to women ratio has now changed but also they just like kind of treat him like he's unbearable and i'm like he's just a, he seems like a perfectly nice guy like i don't know why he, he's very much supposed to be he's i think he's supposed to, it's like when he shows up he's supposed to be the nerd and he bumps that's when lance is like oh i'm not the nerd anymore uh, i guess i'm a jock now hey <laughs> yeah forget about it. totally but uh he but he never he's just like a yeah he's just a normal guy if anything it seems weird that he's hanging out with Lance and Corey, because mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to like any of the same things they do. Like, he's a PhD student, I think. Like, it doesn't make sense. Why are they friends? He seems to have a future. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I wanted to mention, Dan, that Corey is played by the actor Rob Estes, who is mm. best known for Silk Stockings, a show I refuse to admit, or refuse to believe exists. I think they just shot commercials to run on USA when I was a kid. I mean, I've definitely seen the opening credits for it. I don't know about any... <laughs> Of the actual uh, show, but uh, I, was, uh, I was a young girl in the '80s, and I think I saw, I can attest to the fact that there did exist a Silk Stockings, and I probably watched <laughs> every episode of it. <laughs> from my uh, from I, so I believe it to be a show about people playing saxophone in wet alleys. Uh, is that what? 
You got it. About, <laughs> you like got it. Wet, and wet Rob smoke Epstein is running alleys. around with a gun going like, who's making that racket? <laughs> <laughs> People are trying to sleep around here. Um, so these women mentioned they're going to go on this yacht with Walter. And uh, the preppier guy knows that Walter's this huge Wall Street um, uh, guy. And he's very excited. And so the women invite the men along to the yacht. Interesting. Now, is... Interesting. The word you just used to describe <sighs> what happened there, Dan. Elliot, I would call Elliot. that Exhibit B. Exhibit B for the prosecution. It is Walter's yacht. It is not their place to invite them. They are uninvited to this yacht. It doesn't yacht. matter that they don't have the right to invite them. As far as the boys are concerned, they've been offered an invitation, and they are going to take it. They didn't say to the girls, okay, we'll take us to your yacht, or we're going to throw you overboard. They didn't say, hey— <laughs> Where's the yacht? Because we're going to sneak on later in the middle of the uh-huh. night when no one sees us. Yeah. They have been invited. Exhibit but B. Later, but once they arrive at the yacht, Walter attempts to block them from being on the yacht. So Before ultimately say, offering them jobs that would require them to be on the yacht. Only because the SEC is closing in. I don't... Mm-hmm. And Dan, but wait, but then right after they invite the boys, what happens then? Okay. So, um, well, they invite the. Uh, well, also, one of the women, uh, like, grabs one of their legs immediately. Like, they're coming on hot yeah. right from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but they're on the way to the boat. They find the cat inside some kind of, like, equipment hold on the dock. And I'm not sure how the cat got inside at this point. I mean, later on, we see that the cat can claw through steel. Yeah, super <laughs> strength. Time, it, it can bite I'm through like, George wait. Kennedy's shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and one of the women decides to take the cat along to save it. They mm-hmm. see it has a medical like collar on, and yeah. they feel bad for it. And in this scene, the cat does not want to be held by this woman. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Suzanne who has the cat, and she says, "Oh, I'm going to take care of this cat. It's coming with me," which is kind of Very, kind of like, an, an invitation. You could say. I yeah, yeah, say the, cat, the cat was definitely invited on this trip. It may not have yeah. wanted to be invited. <laughs> Possibly coerced, but um, and again, Walter Suzanne was going to take like that cat. <laughs> Walter doesn't uh, like cats, and yet he gives in, uh, uh, hoping that Suzanne will in- allow some part of his body to touch some part of her body. He okay. gives in and allows her to bring yeah, the cat. He does, he does turn it into some kind of creepy okay. thing. I mean, he's always oh, he's a creep creepy. from the beginning. <laughs> I, a, I don't know what you're talking right. about. There's no way a millionaire with a mustache. Picks up two yeah. bikini girls and takes them to a fancy restaurant, and it's not creepy. I'm sorry. It's but not a charitable be- thing. At the beginning, he said no strings attached, Elliot. He meant that their string bikinis won't be attached uh... to them anymore. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we get a scene of exposition here where uh, we learn that Walter has been such a dick to the whole crew that they've all quit. And the captain is a young woman named Rachel. I, I looked her up. She is Joyce Heiser's best friend in Just One of the Guys. Um, That's who she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She uh, back at her like original uh, school, or where they they know that uh, she's not uh, dressed up for her as yeah. as a man for her thing. Um, and uh, Walter acts uh, very sleazy towards her as he does every woman in the in the movie. And the guys arrive, and Walter is like, no, 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 no. And the spring break ladies are like, hey, but you need a crew. And he also wants to get rid of the cat. But, uh, you know, people are closing on him. So they head out to open water. So he offers a reluctant invitation to all of these people Mm -hmm. to stay Mm -hmm. on the yacht. Case closed. Uh, And so they've got to get to the Cayman Islands, right? Before the feds freeze their offshore bank account full of their ill-gotten gains. Yes. I think it was was right around here I started uh, to keep my husband 
excited and involved and not leave me alone watching Uninvited on a Saturday <laughs> night. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I was like, let's make it a fun game where we count how many times they mention getting to the Caymans. Because <laughs> um, right now we're already about on four, I think. Yeah. We're going to uh, get to the Caymans. <laughs> that's, you know, like when you're diagramming uh, Walter's character, that's his his want. Is yeah, Caymans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... So the young people are checking out the digs and they start dancing to nondescript pop music on the radio and the beard guy is dancing on his own. That, that's a Hedgeworth. He's dancing on his own. He's just sort of pumping his fist back yeah. and forth like how Elliot dances. I mean, Elliot's more wow. of like a, this I, motion. But I, but, but I dance deliberately like a baby would dance, just bobbing yeah. up and down on my knees. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. Um, and you and also George... strip down into a diaper and do it, right? I mean... If I'm going to go the full way, it's called the baby dance. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I'll, rem- I'll bring you back to a time when a little show called Ally McBeal was on the air. Sure, And yeah. the nation became captivated by a computer-generated dancing baby that oh, Ally mm-hmm. McBeal hallucinated or maybe it told her to kill. I don't remember the show that well. But people <laughs> loved that dancing baby, and oh, I yeah. said, I want that kind of attention. And that's when the baby dance began. Now, let's fast forward to yesterday. Uh, my son is on Zoom, mm-hmm. attending uh-huh, yeah. his first grade class, and I decide, sure. you know what, we'd liven this class up. A little bit of the baby dance. I strip down to my diaper, and I, I make sure I'm in the z- range of the Zoom camera, and that's why no. my son doesn't have a school right now. So if anyone knows of a first grade that is looking <laughs> oh, for students, uh, I have a child who desperately needs an education. <laughs> okay. So, uh, George right. Kennedy says he doesn't like punk kids, and I am totally on his side at this point. <laughs> uh, I mean, Dan, you, like, you them... like punk kids, though, but you don't like these kids. Yes, I don't like these kids. But he signs them all duties. Uh, one of them cook. One, one's going to be a busboy dishwasher. One's going to be a maid. Um, the uh, captain, uh, Rachel, is trying to teach Clue how to drive the boat, uh, and he's overacting like crazy. Um... And the guys are in the kitchen bitching about having to work for this free yacht trip that they were not invited on by the owner of the yacht. We can stipulate uh-huh. that at least. And But then the women come in to say how hot it is in the kitchen th- three times, one time in unison, I believe. And they unbutton their shirts enough to show via their cleavage that there's nothing that they're wearing underneath. There, there's no they're nudity not in this wire, movie, is but it is, it is suggested <laughs> several times. That's Dan Mr. Skin McCoy giving us the yeah. full report. <laughs> um, and, and I like at this point at this point you're like it's more just like having fun on a yacht type movie right it's barely a monster movie yeah it should be called yeah. Yacht Invited because they've been invited <laughs> on a yacht uh, and Dan uh, they start making out with the boys except for Hedgeworth the only one who is doing any actual work seems yeah. unfair he he is the unfuckable one at this point and like but also it seems like these uh our two lead spring breaker ladies have imprinted on like the first guys they saw, like their baby <laughs> ducks. <laughs> yeah, but Clue Gulliger is uh, drunk at the wheel. Yeah. Um, uh, and everyone else is dressed for dinner. I would. Hedgew- I'd like to add at this point is when Clue says the infamous line, "This is for you, Tammy Faye." Uh huh. Yeah. There- yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thereby reminding us that it's 1987. Uh, <laughs> now, along... I, I missed this line. What was for Tammy Faye? I, I even backed up to see if I could figure out what exactly was for Tammy <laughs> Faye. I, the teeth, the booze, the, yeah. the ship, him. 
So he was good. He wanted to give her something. Yeah, mm-hmm. he 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 gave his character a little bit of inner life. He wanted to bring yes. him out on screen. He's yeah. like, if the other guy gets to have the after dinner banana, yeah. I get to <laughs> drop my Tammy Faye reference. Um. So all right, everyone's having dinner, and um, this is where Hedgeworth is chatting with Rachel, the captain, and they uh, seem to be hitting it off. Maybe finally Hedgeworth has made a love connection. But uh, Walter comes over to hassle Rachel. He's like, what do you see in this guy? <laughs> Who's mm-hmm. like, uh, well, maybe the fact that he's not a dick and he's age appropriate. <laughs> um, but everyone like is dancing around to music in the way that people do in movies when there's only like four people in a room, which has never happened to me in, it's, in life. It's a very, they dance uh, extremely whitely. And mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if any music was playing when they were actually doing the dancing, because it's just kind of like generic dance moves that you could just plug any any kind of soft rock song onto. You know? I mean, I've, yeah. I've never been on a movie set, but I'm pretty sure they play the music that's going to be in the movie so they can sync it up, right? <laughs> um, I hate to break it to you, Stu, but that's exactly right. That's exactly what they do. Uh Clues, Clue is still drinking. Now he's singing the Battle Hymn of the Republic for some reason. Uh, Rachel discovers him. How, and... ma- how many hours of improv from Clue at the, at, the, at the tiller do you think they have? <laughs> like, I, I honestly think that, like, the script just says, like, Clue does something whenever he appears on screen, uh, which is not going to be for very much longer because uh, she kicks him off the helm. Uh, he goes to, to, to his wine does. cooler, which in this case is a cooler full of wine and not the drink wine cooler. Uh-huh. And uh, once again, there's a cat inside a closed bin <laughs> and uh, comes out and kills Clue. And there are shots of blood pumping from his neck. And Well, I do like that we see the, the, the mini cat coming out of the mouth. And mm-hmm. Clue has the wherewithal, despite being very drunk uh, and overacty. He smashes his bottle of wine to create a weapon. Too late, though. He gets no. he gets blasted, yeah. and then his neck I mean, starts before... pumping. Right? Yeah, that's why yeah. I smash yeah. my bottle uh, ahead of time, just in case I'm uh-huh. gonna get into some shit. Did and you I was like, he was he christening the yacht at that point? Because <laughs> it feels a little, a little late. late to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Dan, yeah. You, you mentioned he was also spitting wine at the cat. That's why the cat oh. ripped his bit yeah, his neck again, off. Early on, the cat only attacks those who. Uh, threaten the cat. We've already seen it. right before this. The cat is walking around the engine room, and there's like the, ca- the engine revs, and it scares the cat, and the cat rips mm. a cable out with its little demons. The cat is very reactive. It's just oh. reacting to things. I, 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 yeah, I, I have this later. It says like Walter, like we see the cat in the engine room. Like the boat has stopped because the engine is overheating, and I'm like, did the cat sabotage the boat? <laughs> Apparently. That's actually that is, what happened. That is what happened, but just because the cat was just reacting. The, the cat yeah. is a lot like um, uh, the Iron Giant, I guess, where, like, if you attack it, it's going to attack you back. But if you don't attack it, it will hang out with you in a beatnik. Or or me, Elliot. If I think someone's being mean, I lash out before thinking. <laughs> mm, I've, yeah. I've, been the, I've been the brunt of that once. I yeah. just went to, uh, to hand Dan a hairbrush. And he thought it was a gun, and he uh-huh. and he was strangling me. And I was like, Dan, Dan, I just wanted you to look your best. It was before a show. And then yeah. I died, and they had to replace me with a body double at the last minute. Do you guys yeah. remember that? It was crazy. I do. Yeah. That was weird. The and, and, Dan, like, there's also times where, like, when you want attention, you really want attention. But when you don't want attention, you want to be left alone. Kind of like a cat, too. So you are kind of yeah. like a cat. 
I am very much like a cat. Dan, um, have you ever thought about legally changing your name from Dan McCoy to Dan McCat? <laughs> I have now. Um, well, anyway, George Kennedy hears his compatriot, Clue Gulliger, <laughs> fall overboard, <laughs> and he goes to investigate. Falling into water. Yeah. Check yep. three. Uh, it was while Walter. watching this movie that Frank Lloyd Wright was inspired to create perhaps his masterwork, Falling uh-huh. Water. And he was like, <laughs> what if the water fell rather than Clue Gulliger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll have yeah, to express his, this his the only way design, I can. It looked like Clue Gulliger yeah, falling in the water. It was, called, like, it was originally, Gulliger. originally called Falling Gulliger, yeah. <laughs> and and, the, and the, the people he was designing the house for were like, I don't want a house that looks like Clue Gulliger is falling over. <laughs> Frank, what like, are you doing? Who come is on, this? Frank. They're like, come on, Return of the Living Dead. He was in a lot of westerns at one yeah, point. Come on, he was in a, did a lot of TV where he was in McHugh, and they're like, no, forget it. And and Frank Lloyd Wright's like, come on, it'll look good. It's me, Frankie Lloyd's. Come on, I make any house look <laughs> yeah, good. Twenty nine ninety nine, any house. Uh, do you think there might be some like intellectual property issues by using this guy's likeness? Maybe we should change it to water instead. <laughs> and and he's like, oh, so you own the copyright for water? Okay, you're the one who might get in trouble, but we'll change it to falling water, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, uh, it's gonna be a lot less hilarious though. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. A, this is the same yeah. thing that happened when I designed the Klugenheim, and they made me change it to the Guggenheim. Originally, it was a spiral cut Klugenheimer. <laughs> Kelly and I like that you're postulating that uh, Frank Lloyd Wright originally wanted to design buildings that were hilarious, though. Yeah, he was wacky. No one knew that side of him. (laughs) Um, So George Kennedy and Walter like find the blood on the railing, and they assume he just hit his head and fell overboard, but they can't stop their escape. Which, which is a very, very. realistic thing to believe. Like, you could believe that Clue Googler's character, Albert, got drunk oh, and fell over and hit his head. 100%. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if if I was, I, you know, I'm just throwing this out there. If I was if I was in the moment, if I was their characters, I would probably assume that he was attacked by a cat demon, his blood got poisoned, <laughs> and then he fell overboard. I mean, that is the second most believable thing that could yeah. have happened. That is what your mind would go to. Pretty quickly, I think. Because it yeah. seems like it's not just that he got attacked. Like, his body is reacting crazy to the, the wounds. At first, I'm like, is that supposed to be, like, his artery pumping out blood? But it's not really. It's just his neck is throbbing all strange. And then he falls overboard. Yeah. Yeah, his, his ne- there's a lot of pulsating in the uh-huh. movie. There's this is a, a lot very, of pulsating. It's a pulsation-heavy film, and Albert is our first <clears throat> introduction to that. But now it's the next day, Dan. And, right, they found yeah. Albert's blood, but they've got bigger problems with the boat. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, they can't, they, Rachel finds the, uh, can't find clues, sees the blood, uh, Walter dangles the chance of getting her boat back in return for just continuing to the Caymans. What I love about it is... This used to be her dad's boat. And what I love is that he's not like, we'll just give you the boat back, he's like, I'll give it to you for a pretty good price. (laughs) (laughs) In exchange for leaving this man in the sea. Uh, but, you know, Walter's like, he can't swim, he's dead already, and she's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Do you think and, behind uh, the scenes, behind the scenes, somebody made the joke, they're like, oh, all this, this blood on the deck, that's quite a clue. <laughs> Get it? Clue? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I never thought about it. And then they're think- like, let's use that in the movie, and they're like, wait, we can't, it's just his... <laughs> actor's name it's not the character's name well maybe we could change the character's name to clue no we called him albert in all the previous scenes well we've got 20 different cats playing the same cat you're saying he can't have a middle name that's clue yeah. i don't yeah and we called one guy hedgeworth and then we called him mike after a while i mean who cares yeah and the screenwriter was like that's it i'm off the set and that's why david mamet's name is not in the credits anymore 
And the two blonde women look exactly the same. That's true. I had lots of trouble keeping who was who. Until I think is it Susan or Suzanne when she starts to get crazier and like uh, she has her like meltdown. That's when I started to understand because her hair was like her, you know. her hair got straight. Yeah, it got yep. straightened yeah. And, and sad. It was a, a sad, <laughs> frightened hair. Yeah. It did help didn't me have a lot. Any that fight one... left in it? <laughs> no. Yeah, the hair just gave up the ghost at that at that point. Yeah. yeah. This uh, um, the hair went permanent. I don't think so. <laughs> they uh, did help that Suzanne mostly wears blue, and Rachel mostly wears kind of huh? like pinkish red. Oh no, Rachel, uh, Bonnie wears kind of mm-hmm. pinkish red. So I didn't know their names for a lot of it. So I was just like, ah, blue suit and red suit, like their mm-hmm. video game. Well, characters. I mean, one of them has curly hair and one of them is straight. That's really the way you should uh, discern yeah. these interchangeable yeah. characters, Elliot. Curly the Stooge has no hair. What are you talking oh, that's about? That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Mo has a Mo haircut. Um, is that what it's called? So, no. When you when you go to the when you go to the salon, that's what you ask for. Yeah, give me a Mo. Here comes. But that is what that is what Mo hair suits are made out of. It's all hair from Mo of the three uh-huh. Mo Fine of the Three Stooges. Yeah. Oh, no, Mo. Uh, what was his last Howard. name? Uh, Mo Howard. Mo Howard. Thank you. Yeah. Larry, Larry Fine. Fine. Uh, Mo Howard's hair. And there's a limited supply of that, so at some point you will not be able to get Mo hair suits anymore because they'll have run out of Mo's hair. It's like helium or uh, or yeah. tungsten that way. Yeah. It's just a natural resource we're running through very I mean, quickly. Yeah, that was one hair of the things keeps that keeps uh, growing a little bit after death, so they keep digging uh, up yeah. Mo. <laughs> well, it was, that, that was the thing. Ethan Hawke was in uh, First Reformed. He was watching sad videos of Mo hair suits going away, and that's what really made him flip. You know? <laughs> that's what made him possibly commit a terrorist act. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I've wanted to get along to this next scene for a while because this this scene is inexplicable to me. This is one of these. Uh, horror movie. I'm gonna make a big like leap uh, scenes because Hedgeworth comes in with some of Albert's blood he's gotten off of the <laughs> railing, and he uses a sextant as a microphone, a uh, microphone, a uh, microscope to examine it. But that's it for photography, Dan. A sextant. Uh, I, I guess you can use it as a microscope, but I have no idea why he thinks he's going to find anything. What motivates him? He is he bored does. on that boat, Dan, and he just wants an excuse to get close to that captain. So he's like, yeah. uh, what do they have in the, sh- in the ship cabin? Uh, a sextant. Oh, and it means I get to say sex in front of her. Okay, great. <laughs> done. I'll d- and then she hands it to him and he's like, uh, I got to have a reason for why I'm holding mm-hmm. this thing. I'll uh, use it as give a me, microscope. Give me a prism. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he finds out the blood cell count in Albert's blood is abnormally high. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, <laughs> content warning for attempted sexual assault. Walter comes in on Bobby <laughs> doing aerobics, and first he tries to impress her by how rich he is. Then he starts trying to fondle her and uh, and assault her. And but then one of the dudes jumps him. Lance. Lance. Ace Slater. Uh, George Kennedy shoots him in the shoulder. Yep. But it stopped from killing him by the other guy, and Corey. the cat puppet bites uh, George Kennedy's Achilles tendon area, and mm-hmm. he shoots around the room wildly to try and get the cat, which runs <laughs> off. Yeah, which like tears his ankle apart. It's like uh, mm-hmm. like the end of uh, Pet Cemetery, right? Where yeah, where what's that little baby, <laughs> the dead baby, <laughs> cuts that guy's ankle off or whatever? Oh yeah, Gage. Thank you. Uh, and. So his heart is racing like crazy, like even more than you would if your Achilles tendon was bitten off by a cat. It's what George Kennedy uh, probably looks like when he goes up a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and poor George Kennedy, because you feel for him at this point of his career, because he's like, God damn it, I, 
I got an Oscar, and now I'm in a movie where people are throwing matted <laughs> cat puppets at me, and then he actually has to pretend to be dragged off screen for a little bit like the cat. <laughs> like the cat. So you can see him kind of scooching yeah. across the floor like, yeah. you got the you got the shot? You got the yeah. shot? There's a great, where he just starts blasting around the room and he shoots a liquor bottle. And then after the liquor, liquor bottle explodes, you see the cat puppet behind it. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> he was actually, yeah. I thought he was just shooting at liquor. Like, hey. uh, they, and they are they're all very amazed that the cat he's like it was the cat the cat and they're like there's no way a cat could tear through your shoe which and is re reasonable if anything that's the most believable thing that's been claimed the entire movie yeah. like, i don't believe walter graham is a millionaire really but i believe a cat could shoot through a shoe you know? yeah did you yeah. see that thing it's all buff like it's all poked <laughs> out it looks um, like that the cat looks like that that meme of the regular dog and then the big muscly bigger brother dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> But, uh, that cat so. is so the the regular cat is carrot top, and the puppet inside his mouth is carrot top when he got super ripped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now uh, Rachel wants to send out a mayday, but Walter takes the gun and shoots the radio, insisting they still go to the Caymans, and presumably in, uh, in Chicago, uh, Gillian and her husband take a drink go, go. and. We're, oh. wa we're wasted by now, because I think oh, that's wow. like the 20th time they've gone to the Caymans. <laughs> Nothing's going to um. stop me from getting to the Caymans, as Ki Oscar winner George Kennedy said, before being <laughs> fake dragged off screen by a dust bite ribbon ridden uh, cat. By a cat puppet inside another cat puppet. <laughs> Double puppet. Uh, uh, but they managed to turn the tables on Walter, take the gun, but the engine will not start. And Hedgeworth informs wait, everyone. We, we do, wait, we, we do, and we, the captain says the immortal line, I think it's in The Wild Bunch, if he moves, shoot his balls off. And that's how mm -hmm. that scene ends. Uh, Hedgeworth tells everyone they're dealing with a mutant cat infection based on the blood he found. <laughs> Again, a big leap. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're like, oh, yeah, it's a lab cat. That makes sense. And something starts pressing out of George Kennedy's, like, sort of, like, chest stomach area as if, like, an alien's going to pop up, but nothing pops out. He just dies. Right. And, and then there's a... Strangely, it's, whenever they start being infected from now on, it looks like they're growing a testicle somewhere <laughs> out of part of their body. Like, it doesn't <laughs> look scary. It looks like they're... Is that what the mutant cat does? Is that its special power? Yeah. It has this ability to create instant goiters in human beings. Yeah, yes. that's, that's its amazing mutant power in the lab. They, I, I wonder if the Pentagon was like, this is the future of warfare. Yeah, Cats, yeah. and when they bite you, you get goiters and yeah. testicles all over your body. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah, it makes, it makes weird bulges, and it also makes your, uh, your veins pop out. And I'm like, I'm sure you guys are like me. You're like, kind of wish that cat would bite my forearms, right? <laughs> really, uh, really make him extra vascular, right? Not really, uh, but... Uh, and Hedgeworth is also like, oh, by the way, if the cat ate food, it would probably contaminate the food. Well, that's, that's... It's not really based on anything. Yeah, I thought that was later on. But anyway, the point is... Uh, yeah, no, like, yeah, the infections are all, like, they've put a a bladder under the like fake skin and are like squeezing air into it from off camera just to make the skin pulse and uh but george kennedy dies there's oh. a kind of funny shot of all of them uh like from a dead body pov like looking up at all the people looking at him and then a cut to them throwing him off the boat <laughs> well they wrapped him in a sheet they bury him at sea you know yeah That's yeah the first it, of uh, multiples of these yes <laughs> and they get they and, go they go he's at the caymans in heaven now 
<laughs> he did make it to the Caymans. <laughs> I wish one of those, maybe the Caymans was inside all of us the whole time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So Hedgeworth and Rachel... Turns out the real Caymans was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to fix the boat. The preppy kid's chatting with Walter, and, who gives him a fancy wa watch to show off how rich he is. Oh, and right. then opens a wall safe to show all the money. And he's bribing the kid mm -hmm. to help him get to the Caymans. And yeah, this is where they find some food crumbs. And Hedgeworth makes the leap that if you eat food that the cat ate, you'll mutate as well. Um... It's too bad they didn't have the budget to have people turn into cats when they yeah. mutated. That would have been better if it was like people started turning into cat people. Yeah. I, um, there's no joke there. I think that would have been yeah. a better movie. And I would have called it Yacht Cats. Mm-hmm. Curse of the Yacht Cat People. Curse of the Yacht Cat People, which would be a more accurate title <laughs> since, again, everyone has been invited onto this yacht. Suzanne and the preppy dude make out, and he's bragging about how he's got it all worked out. Um, yeah, he's been seduced by Walter's, uh, his honeyed mm -hmm. words, right? Yeah. The engine's not uh, starting. He, like, Grima worm-tongued him a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is the make-out uh, portion of the movie, because also Bobby and the guy who got shot make out. Lance. Boy, did they make out. Woo! That was the Foley operator went on to overtime on the tongue noises <laughs> yeah. uh, on that one. I that did was... not expect to see their tongues just like literally caressing each other like it was an Aeon Flux cartoon. No just kind of like all over each other. Uh -huh. I made a student film when I was in college where like it had extreme close-up of kissing that was deliberately supposed to be gross. Like the whole sure. point of it was sure. that it was he gross. Says after the fact. <laughs> and this was like that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like uh and this may be saying too much about me, it's kinda of like the kissing you see in pornography where it's for somehow that's the most obscene thing about what you're watching. <laughs> is this yeah. kind of like over the top tongue kissing and you're like, oh, this now I feel weird. This is... Um so He's talking about how he can't feel his arm, so she moves the sheet to look at it, and the cat yeah. is there gnawing at his fingers. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Uh, that's the there, best right? moment. That's the best moment in the whole movie. Is how they yeah. didn't notice that this cat was just chewing on his fingers. <laughs> and so he knows that he's poisoned, and so in sort of a combination of like a noble sacrifice and just panicking. He jumps off the boat, but he also knocks Bobby off. And that's <laughs> worth now this yeah. is a serious question guys yeah so he is freaking out he keeps saying over and over he keeps complaining about his poisoned blood do you mm -hmm. think okay do you think this is a reference to the 2017 ep by the band witch vomit titled <laughs> poison blood like was it a little easter egg for fans <laughs> no wait so when did it come out <laughs> 2017 yeah i yeah. think the the the, the answer is in the question as they sometimes say so it was like a nostradamus thing where it predicted it <laughs> yeah yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, much as anyway, much as in much as in Gillian's new show Utopia, there mm -hmm. is a comic book that has, seems to have clues to future events. Mm -hmm. uh, in this movie, there are a number of hidden clues to future death metal releases. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So they. Uh, and the by other the way, guys... good guess, dude. It is a death metal release. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's so much a guess as like a context clues, knowing what you listen to. But yeah, you know. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, they dive in trying to find Bo uh, Bobby, uh, but she apparently cannot swim. She is gone as well. Uh -huh. um, and Suzanne starts to panic. They're all going to die on the boat, which seems reasonable. Uh, 
unreasonable as she starts throwing accusations around that other people are at fault for bringing the cat on board. Um, Walter is released from quarters because they need help to find the cat. And uh, the Preppy and Walter are looking around the the boat, leaving poison sardines everywhere. Mm-hmm. At one point, the prep kid says, the hunt is still the hunt. I don't know what that means. <laughs> He's just trying to look cool in front of Walter Graham yeah. at this yeah. point. That's the thing, like, so, even though, like, he knows that he doesn't want to impress him, he still kind of does, like, it's a self, uh, like a subconscious thing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, is, this is when we see this, my second, no, actually, this is my first favorite meal in the movie, yeah. even more so than the inexplicable banana that Walter Graham is eating at the party earlier. <laughs> uh, when uh, the captain is, there's not a lot of food left, and so uh, she's serving Suzanne and Walter Graham, like, handfuls of cereal and, like, half-full <laughs> glasses of champagne. Yeah. Corn <laughs> flakes and champagne dinner. is their dinner. Well, because they, they've also run out of fresh water, which no one oh, seems right. at first very concerned about at all like yeah. in, they're they're more concerned about the breakfast cereal shortage than they are about the <laughs> fact that they are, have no water and are in the middle of the ocean i feel like it's, i feel like cornflakes and champagne is like a joe walsh single or something <laughs> <laughs> or it's like jerry seinfeld's idea of a celebratory meal you know yeah. <laughs> uh and uh, oh and, and wait oh dan or before this did the captain and hedgeworth have their first have their first kiss or uh, there the was some is. point at which he kisses her on the forehead. I I don't remember other kisses, but um, there's one closer. other official kiss. The, the official were boyfriend girlfriend kiss uh-huh. as they're hunting the cat. This oh, was yeah. Yeah, this was cornflakes. Yeah. <laughs> and and Suzanne, Suzanne's getting really jumpy in the scene, well, and she's like spilling champagne on her hands and licking it off, and she started <laughs> looking like a cat. So maybe she is turning into a cat. Yeah, could be. Um, so in the course of trying to, uh, find and kill the cat, the, uh, prep kid shoots a hole in the boat and then shoots a boiler, which explodes on him. Yeah. And then the cat attacks him and there's a hard cut to them throwing another body off the boat, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they really should have made that more of a Because it was obviously hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's in like a dictionary for comedic editing. Yes. <laughs> That was pretty good. Uh, the cat chews through uh, a metal wall to get at their last cornflakes and waffle mix, which is what they have locked up. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne. This, this millionaire's boat, he had fresh fruit for one party, and then the rest of his food stores were just like, yeah, cornflakes and waffle mix. <laughs> and these sardines that they could poison. Um, yeah. Those might have come pre-poisoned. I don't know who this, does yeah, this guy's grocery shopping, but... Uh, at this point, Suzanne has gone totally nuts, and she has uh, she does not believe that the food is contaminated. Yeah, she thinks that the others are hoarding it, and everyone's nerves are right. fraying. Walter slaps Rachel, which causes her to drop her keys, which Suzanne takes to get that the food. Scene is like Walter gives this tour de force of lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think at one point he's, he says, "Well, at least you're being consistent." At being a bitch. (laughs) And then later on when Suzanne's having her crazy laughing, he's like, what are you laughing about? You're going to (laughs) die. That's like, that Uh, must have been his audition tape. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Suzanne eats the the contaminated food, and sure enough, her neck veins start uh, throbbing and pop open, and she's gone to, unfortunately, no cut to her being thrown off. 
the no, boat. instead there's a hard cut to a lightning storm, which yes. for a moment I thought a different movie had started playing. There's no build-up to it. Yeah. Uh, uh, they discover the hole in the hull from before, the, the one that was shot there that has grown bigger. I had thought that the movie had forgotten that this existed, but uh, but the boat is sinking, and they, they're loading some of the money to the lifeboat, but Walter goes back for more, and he is killed by the cat. And Hedgework finds him. He and Rachel get on the lifeboat, and the mutant cat oh, <laughs> jumps is, onto the boat. This yep. is great. Uh-huh. Uh, they throw it off, and then it comes back on again. <laughs> it attacks Hedger- both of them in turn. She's like, she's like, we're okay. And Hedgeworth goes, I don't think it's over yet. And then the cat climbs <laughs> on board again. <laughs> and uh, they figure out that it's because uh, the lifeboat is the only floating object around. So they toss one of the briefcases of money over. For the cat to cling to as it floats <laughs> on. Bye bye. Celebratory cue, celebratory music. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we and we see some. We get some very classic toy boat in a bathtub special effects here for yes. the for the sinking of the yacht. I do believe that they. Uh, I looked up some trivia for this. I think that they said that the director filmed some of this in his pool, which makes sense. Oh, okay. um, I thought you were going to say that the director sank a yacht for this movie. <laughs> he sank a whole yacht. No, you're thinking of Caddyshack. Did not have the budget for that. <laughs> not, all the all the budget was going to the ADR for the cat. That, I, including a trigger warning. I should say if you're annoyed by cat meows, uh-huh. the like trigger warning because meow, like on screen, off screen, the cat just <laughs> continues going meow, meow. Yeah. Like even when the cat is a close up of the live cat. And its mouth is clearly closed. Yes. Uh-huh. It's still meowing. It's like, in addition to mutating him, they taught him the ancient art of ventriloquism because <laughs> yeah. that he could throw his voice even. It's, yeah. it's, well, it's also the, like the same of the five meows that they just keep looping, basically. Like, you can tell that they just got a very few cat sounds and kept reusing them yeah. throughout the movie. But, yeah, um, it's they, it's the metronome of the movie. That's it's what keeps the pace up, keeps the tension up. Yeah. It's similar to it's what they did in Dunkirk, is that they they looped in a <laughs> meowing sound in the background just mm-hmm. to keep you tense on the edge of your mm-hmm. seat. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's it's similar to uh, in Wet Hot American Summer how they have the same sound effect of something shattering whenever things are thrown off screen, mm-hmm. and yep. here it's just that cat, just that cat sound effect, and you know, you know that they were like the, the production manager was like. This is the. This is what we can afford. We can either have one more cat sound, or we can get a banana. What's it gonna be? And Green Clark's like, well, the banana really makes that scene. Uh, okay, cut the other cat sound. We'll make do with yeah. what we have. And then in the edit, they were like, why did I make that choice? Why? Why did I go with the banana instead of the cat sound? Okay, so we're at the the final couple scenes. Uh, Hedgeworth and Rachel have made it to safe safety. Um, they're talking to an official on the island. They have some of the money still um, from this, so they've come out pretty well. The it must be a million dollars is what she says when they're in the lifeboat and they yeah. open yeah. the case and it's pouring rain. Like, she doesn't she doesn't skip a beat. The thing is barely open and she already is guessing at the yeah. Yeah. And And what they can buy with it. And then they, they have transferred the money to the empty gym bag that they made sure to throw into the lifeboat as they were escaping a sinking ship with a monster cat on she was like uh we might we might have to do some some shopping along the way so i guess i'll bring this empty bag with us oh thank goodness i did an empty gym bag which is in 
similar in a lot of ways to the way that the cat's skin is shed when the little tiny muscle cat jumps out of its body. <laughs> yeah. But the local officials dismiss any talk of a mutant cat as uh, as sea madness. They don't believe it uh -huh. actually happened. May I? May I please yeah. uh, add my fun fact, my uninvited please. fun fact here, which is the actor who plays the official in, where are they gone to again? Did they make it where to the Caymans or is it someplace it? else? I, I don't know. I didn't recognize the, I don't know my Caribbean flags. I wish they said where they're going, but um, is played by none other than Austin Stoker, who was Ethan Bishop in Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wow. best actor they have going, and they give him two lines. That's great. That's, That's crazy. Terrible. Um, okay, so we cut to the briefcase. Last scene, we cut to the briefcase, washed up on a beach, and a kid runs, a little boy picks up a cat, but this cat <laughs> looks totally different from the other cat. It is black and uh, uh, short-haired, whereas the other one is orange and long-haired. So I have no idea what's going on here, <laughs> what we're supposed to take away from that. Yeah, and the and then it freezes on a, on the child making a weird face. <laughs> like, not an ominous face. This is a kid who's like, are we still shooting? And, uh, they freeze right this there, and we're terrified. And then, what, guitar yeah. sting, credits? Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, yep. and Mutant Cat will return in Uninvited 2, still uninvited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Still invited at this point. <laughs> so, uninvited 2 must have been lost in the mail. You know. <laughs> Guys, uh, we've come to the uh, final judgments portion. Is, uh, is this movie, and I'm going to use the special Shocktober categories. Oh, well, it's more appropriate this time. Totally yeah. scarifying. Totally snorifying. Or frighteningly funny, Elliot. I'm going to ask you first. I'm going to switch it up. Oh, okay. I'm going to say. Well, now that we've made it to the Cayman Islands of Final Judgment, where we've mm -hmm. been heading this whole time, I'm going to say I thought this movie was frighteningly funny. It is, yeah. especially if, uh, like Gillian or like me, you have a weakness for '80s things and things that are every frame of it screams it's the 1980s. Uh, mm -hmm. This is especially. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you don't find really weird uh, cat demon puppets that come out of other cat puppets' mouths but make the same sound effect over and over again. If that's not funny to you, then maybe I don't understand humor. <laughs> but I would say frighteningly funny. Uh, yeah, just really quick, I'm going to toss in frightening funny. I, frighteningly funny, I agree. Uh, Stuart, what do you say? Yeah, I'm with you. It, uh, it's, it's so silly and yet, like... There's uh there's different like it's you're not uh even though it's cheap it's not all stuck on the same location, uh there's a lot of really weird characters a lot of weird choices, uh yeah it's 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 super funny. And Gillian, you're you you suggested this, so I can only assume this is your favorite movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, I mean I have to have a different category actually, which is you know invite me to invite. <laughs> I would say, if you like your ham like you like your perms, spirals. Uh -huh. This is the '80s film for you. Yep. Put it I, on the box. Put that blurb on the box. That was what I was thinking. I'm like, if they ever release Uninvited, like best-selling author Gillian Flynn. Flynn says, if you like your ham, like you like your perms. And people are in. I, don't, I guess they're not in a video store. They're scrolling through, and they're like, "What? What does this mean? I don't understand this blurb." Yeah, when you're scrolling, are there blurbs, or do you? I don't know. I don't know. What do we do with blurbs these days? 
Yeah, yeah, that was really great. I was, uh, it was, uh, it was nice to watch. It's been a while since we've gotten to watch like a genuine, like weird, like cheesy '80s horror movie. Yeah, I was really. I thank you for suggesting this. I have been wanting to see this for a while, and some friends of mine actually showed it at a movie night I was at. But it was the third movie. It was starting like after. It was like one a.m. And it was at a party, like I'd been drinking, like I fell asleep immediately. So um, thank you for giving me a second chance at Uninvited. Oh. You are welcome. Anytime. I've, I've got a long list of uh, 80s horror films, so have me on next year. Oh, definitely. We will hold you to that. That'll be a Shocktober tradition. And speaking of traditions, Dan, traditionally, this is the part of the show where we do something else, right? Well, uh, how's that for a segue? How's that yeah. for a segue? And anything can follow it. That's right. Well, just come down to Kalen's general segues. We got segues <laughs> for any occasion. God damn it. Please don't. Uh, uh, and I apologize to anyone who comes down to rent a segue for a tour. Uh-huh. We yep. actually, that's not the kind of segue we have. We do not uh-huh. have personal mobility uh. devices. Uh, okay. And people come by, and I always, mm-hmm. am, I, they get so disappointed, and I apologize. But if you want a conversational segue, come on down to Elliot's Segway Rentals. You do have to return them, it's just a rental. Return okay. the segue that you rented. Are you feeling elevated levels of anxiety? Do you quake uncontrollably, even thinking about watching cable news? Do you have disturbing nightmares, only to realize it's two in the afternoon and you're up? If you've experienced one or more of these symptoms, you may have FNO, news overload. Fortunately, there's treatment. Hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters helps fight FNO. That's because Troubled Waters stimulates your joy zone. On Troubled Waters, two comedians will battle one another for pop culture supremacy. So join me, Dave Holmes, for two, two, two doses of Troubled Waters a month. The cure for your news overload. Available on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Dr. Game Show is my favorite podcast and the only podcast my parents let me listen to because I'm 12. But even old people love this show. Basically, you call in, play games, and have fun. If you win a game, a baby will send you a magnet in the mail. I have so many magnets and put them all over my locker, and pretty much everyone at school is jealous because they are very cool custom magnets, and it also means that I'm really good at winning games. And they even let me practice my record live on the air. Listening to this show is like going to a real doctor, but pretty much kind of better. Dr. Game Show Rock. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. We have a few sponsors, as always, for our show this week. Elliot, I believe you have the first advertisement. I do, and I'm happy to tell people that this week, the Flophouse's podcast is brought to you in part by Squarespace. That's right, the internet is all around us, and it's time you finally got a piece of that digital world action. So what's stopping you? You don't know how to code? You don't have a web design degree? You don't know about any companies that will help you make a website without coding and a web design degree? None of those are valid excuses anymore, thanks to Squarespace. Here's what you can do with Squarespace. You can create a beautiful website. You can turn your cool idea you've always wanted to reach out to the rest of the world with 
into its own website. It can have a blog on it. You can publish content on it. You can sell products and services of all kinds. That's right, all kinds. And more. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers. The Slarty Bartfast of web designers. That's a <laughs> reference for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans. Uh, everything's optimized. You can do it from mobile or desktop right out of the box. You can buy domains. You can choose from over 200 extensions. This web hosting is free and secure. Guys, I have to tell you, I took advantage of this service. I had an idea for a website based on this movie. It was called What's in My Cat's Esophagus.com. Cats uh-huh. these wow. days, they've got all sorts of things stuck in their esophaguses yep. mouse chunks, hairballs, little uh-huh. demon monsters. Sure. Well, now at What's in My Cat's Esophagus.com, you can find out what that is. It's your place on the internet to identify what's in that cat's esophagus and share mm-hmm. pictures, videos, and reviews of your cat's esophagus. Do you just that- you scan it like a QR code or something and it tells you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have that technology yet. It's more of a picture uploading site, but, you know, we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, thanks I, I to just s- figured we were blue skying right now. Yeah, sure, sure. No, but thanks to Squarespace, that beautiful dream of what's in my cat's esophagus.com was made into reality. So right now, before I'm even done talking, go to squarespace.com slash flop. That's squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash flop, offer code flop. Stuart, now, now are you like me? Are you a cat person? What? <laughs> I don't mean a person who's half cat, half person. That would be strange. Oh, no, I'm talking about a person who loves cats. Or possibly you're trapped on a yacht with a cat or a cat with a demon cat monster in it. Well, uh, what I am here today to talk to you about is about a little brand called kittypooclub.com. Uh, Kitty Poo Club uh, provides a, uh, a simple, easy recyclable litter box that is pre-filled it's high quality and affordable and it comes with a litter of your choice the boxes are leak proof they're eco-friendly and have a fun design for every season when the month is up you just recycle the box and kitty poo club will automatically deliver you a new one no changing used litter and no more cleaning the box because that's the thing when you're trapped on a yacht the worst the last thing you want to deal with mm-hmm is an overflowing litter box. Yeah, better so to just have them be delivering new litter boxes to your yacht in the middle of the ocean. Exactly. That's much. That's a much better option. Or you don't want to run out of. Uh, you don't want to run out of litter or have an overflowing box, as I've already mentioned. Now, Stuart, so, they don't. They provide everything but the poo, right? They don't send you they poo. Do not provide the poo. I believe your cat uh, creates that through natural processes. <laughs> so, Kitty Poo Club is offering you. That's you right now. You. off your first order when you set up auto ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code FLOP, F-L-O-P. Just go to kittypooclub.com and enter the promo code FLOP, and then you get 20% off when you set up auto ship. That's right, kittypooclub.com, promo code FLOP. Now, I have a couple of jumbotrons here. Uh Uh-huh. The first one is for... Peter Reagan, or perhaps Regan, I'm Uh not sure. It's from Tom. And Tom writes, Oh, honored eldest brother, I hope you have time to listen to podcasts while I'm locked down with two kids, or I just burnt $100. (laughs) 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 That's a reasonable fear. Yeah, Mm -hmm. between you living in Ohio, 
My realizing that I'm an alcoholic and COVID-19, we probably won't make it to Hinterlands for a drink anytime soon. So I figured this was the next best thing. Maybe Stu can recommend a mocktail. Do you have a mocktail for them? Ooh, a mocktail. Uh, That's a little difficult since I normally just pour a ton of booze in a glass with ice and then drink it while crying. But Mm -hmm. let's see. I would do a splash of, I would do ginger beer. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would do a splash of pineapple juice, and I would do some whipped cream. Oh, nice. Okay, (laughs) interesting. It's a treat. (laughs) It is a treat. Uh, Now, this next message is for Mitchell, last name withheld, from Jacob, last name withheld. And the message is, hey, bud, small timber and or vimber has come and gone, and Shocktober is ripe in the air. You know what that means. Your birthday. What better way to celebrate than a shout out straight from a flopper's mouth. Specifically me in this case. Thanks for being an awesome brother and an even better dungeon master. May this year bring good health and good fortune. Catch you on the flippity flop. So that those is, are... the role of dungeon master is more important than brother, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're guiding them like through life i don't guide my brothers at all well you're uh-huh. the, you're the younger brother dan so it would be strange if you were guiding your i homes. mean uh you you haven't ever met my brothers so <laughs> <laughs> i mean i have met them actually now that i think about it uh and i i often guide my brother which is why i was able to mold him into my exact opposite a uh-huh. sports loving slob I shouldn't yep. say slob. A sports-loving, uh, let's just say... Uh, uh, he was a little slobby, but then he, <laughs> you know, the love of a good woman turned him around, I think. That's true. She's fighting me for control of him now, and I'm uh-huh. not liking it. So Yeah, I mean, when he when he was born, you saw him as a, like a tabula rasa, right? Like a real fixer-upper. I saw mm-hmm. him as a, as a, t- a tabula racial ghoul. I thought he was a blank slate that I could turn into a Batman villain. <laughs> Yeah, named yeah. <laughs> named the Sportsman. Now he's a Batman villain who's themed around sports, but mainly uh-huh. sports bar trivia. I so mean, he I steals things. That from the title. And he's like, Batman, I'll give back the diamond if you can answer this question: Which teams uh-huh. played in the thirty-first uh, Super Bowl? And Batman would be like, uh, I don't know, I'm not really into sports, and that would be the end of the adventure. Yeah. And he's like, but you probably own at least one sports team right i mean he's like just just in the wnba i really want to give those those ladies a shot we got to expand the the audience base and he's like okay and the sportsman's like "Mm, i respect that okay cool so we have a whole (laughs) character fleshed out i guess uh Mm -hmm. we're just waiting on a phone call from dc comics (laughs) (laughs) or warner brothers uh maybe they just want to put him straight in the movies the sportsman david would play it himself to the movies huh yeah yeah uh Guys, we have another announcement to make. This uh-huh. episode is being released the morning of October 24th, Saturday, October 24th, which happens to be the same day when we will be doing our newest Flophouse Live Zoom show. That's what? right. It's the Flophouse live in your home tonight, October 24th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Just go to the Flophouse YouTube page where we'll be streaming. We're going to be talking about The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and we'll also be raising money for charity, like during our Howard the Duck show. You guys were super generous and super attentive during that last show. We really appreciate it. Please join us tonight, October 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, for The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. It'll be just like a regular Flophouse Live show. We're each going to do presentations. We'll talk Uh about the movie. 
And then at the end, in lieu of a question and answer, we will be taking questions over Twitter that we will answer in real time. That's right. Not fake time. Real mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So that's tonight. If you're listening to this episode after October 25th, then the or October 24th, rather, then the show will... If it's not up on the YouTube channel to watch on its own, we'll still be up, but you will not be able to interact with us because it will no longer be live. Send those uh-huh. Twitter you, questions you to Twitter. You can attempt to interact. You can yeah. shout at the screen, but no, no one will hear you. <laughs> or we an uncaring God. Yeah. yeah, and I will find your questions on Twitter, and I will print them out and then throw them over my shoulder laughing because I yeah. don't have to answer them. So mm-hmm. that's Flophouse Live tonight, October 24th, The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Be there and be scared. <laughs> Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out. I also want to mention that I have my new children's book, Sharko and Hippo. It's uh-huh. in stores now. Order it through your local independent bookstore. Yeah, do it. And if you want to support, uh, if you want to support any of uh, either of my two bars, uh, you can go to either Hinterlands Bar or Minnie's Bar and pick up to-go drinks or sit in their patio. I'm assuming, unless things change in the next week or so. Uh, and you can also email hinterlandsbarmerch at gmail dot com uh, because we are selling t-shirts and hoodies over the internet. Currently, we're only shipping to the U.S., but that might change depending on whether or not we get stamps.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll say, you know, like, Stuart's, uh, Stuart's probably loath to make too uh, naked a plea, so I will make a naked plea. Thank you. Know, you. it's a hard time for— It's the only thing uh, that Stuart is loath to do naked. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it is. Literally, I've yeah. seen him in so few clothes. But, like, <laughs> it is a hard time for people— in the restaurant and bar industry so if you can uh support those enterprises in any way you can please do and now we shall return to the fun parts of the show this is letters Uh a part of the show where we read letters from Uh you listeners not you specifically necessarily unless we read your letter yeah yeah Yeah, dan Dan pulls out the giant mailbag that you have in your apartment Mm -hmm. uh at 123 fake street and yeah. you pull out a random letter that you have not pre-screened in any way. <laughs> and I say, all for Santa Claus. <laughs> um, this is from John, last name withheld, who writes, uh, At dinner tonight, my wife said she was in the mood for an 80s movie. Hey, 80s movie. So we settled on Footloose. I searched YouTube for a clip of the excellent opening theme because I wanted to announce our decision on Facebook knowing that all of my friends and family really care a lot about what movie we're going to watch tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I came across the trailer for the 2011 Footloose remake that I didn't even know existed. It has Dennis Quaid as the Reverend originally played by John Lithgow and an otherwise unremarkable cast. There are shot-for-shot cuts along with dialogue and sequences straight from the original. The main difference that I could see was more twerking and, on a positive note, some roles for minority characters that aren't just extras. I wish, I know- wait, knowing there's twerking in it now, I wish they'd just gone all the way and called it Buttloose. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the one that was directed by, like, uh, by uh, Hustle, the Hustle and Flow guy, right? Uh, Craig Brewer? I think yeah. so. I think you're right. Um, I don't like putting the words butt and loose together <laughs> for the title of a movie, Elliot, I gotta say. Um... I mean, it, can... it's, every, it's everyone's dream for their, the business mm-hmm. they do with their butt to be loose and easy, to have a okay. simple flow that doesn't need to be thought oh, about. Hi, I'm Elliot Kalen. No, Constipation stop aid. it. Uh-huh. Have you ever had, yeah? No. 
John <laughs> continues, uh, I know that Footloose is one of the pinnacles of Western artistic expression, but I can't, for the life of me, figure out why it needed a remake. I'm guessing it's some sort of nostalgic cash-in targeted at Gen Xers and older millennials. A part of me wants to see it out of curiosity, but if I ever do, I will not be paying for it. What would you say is the most unnecessary remake and or... What's a remake that never needed to be made, but actually turned out to be a good movie? John, last name withheld. Uh, I mean, I mean I'm going to answer why it got remade. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's money. I think it's because <laughs> they owned it and they wanted to mm. use, make money off it. Well, they said they said here's a name that exists already, so mm -hmm. we're taking less of a chance with it than we would with a new thing. Much mm -hmm. like they thought when they made the original Footloose, which was a remake of, and they searched through their files and they said, it's not a remake of anything. How is that possible? Uh -huh. why, is, why is this paperwork missing? It's, it reminds me of uh, my imaginary conversation with J.J. Abrams when that second Star Trek movie came out, where I was like, you could come up with a new bad guy. Like, you don't have to use Khan. It could be like another bad guy. And he said, this is just something in your imagination. I don't have a response to that. And I said, mm -hmm. then I consider it a win. And I turned over and went to sleep. Uh, but Stuart, what's a remake you think is uh, is unnecessary? Uh, I mean, like we we did the 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 RoboCop remake mm -hmm. here on the show, and it was pretty bland. And RoboCop is such a singular, uh, wonderful experience. I it obviously didn't need uh, to be remade. What about uh, you guys? I'm gonna, I, I will I will well, say gonna... that a, a remake that uh, or a remake, I guess, or reimagining that works is the uh, the new Suspiria, which I love. Oh yeah, that's a that's a really good one. I I, I yeah, I'm going to answer the second question because I found that easier to think about. Um, the Ocean's Eleven remake is so much superior to the first one that people forget that there was a first one. Like the first one is just like the Rat Pack hanging out, and like there's a certain pleasantness to that, and it's got a great ending, but otherwise it's just kind of you know, uh, interminable. Whereas the Soderbergh one is is breezy and fun. Is that the one where at the end of it, at the original, Frank Sinatra sees the Statue of Liberty at the New York New York Casino and realizes it was Earth the whole time? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I was thinking about the. I mean, there's a lot of unnecessary remakes because there's almost never nothing has to be remade. There's never. Mm -hmm. There's no. There's almost never a movie where like the world would be out of out of joint if something was remade. But I threw my mind back to Gus Van Sant's Psycho remake, which I know he was doing as kind of like an art experiment, I guess. But it was really, it was a it was a strange choice to remake a very good movie shot for shot. And, and only to add that the only thing you're adding is that Vince Vaughn masturbates where Norman Bates did not masturbate on uh -huh. camera. But his when... last name is Bates, Elliot. <laughs> good point. That's a good point. <laughs> That's just money on the table. <laughs> and uh, the, but it feels like if he had remade, like there's something about remaking a not good movie shot for, I mean, like I don't, I didn't, I was not the hugest fan of the disaster artist movie, but taking something that, where you have to really try hard to remake the mistakes in something. It's kind of an interesting idea. But there's a bunch of movies where the remakes, it didn't have to be remade, but like the remakes would like, the remake of 310 to Yuma is a real strong mm -hmm. Western yeah. adventure. And there was no need for Peter Jackson to make a new King Kong, but I actually like that King Kong a lot. And you and love the, the remake of Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, right? Not, <laughs> would not fall in that category. Not a fan of that one. The movie that inexplicably decides to show you an out-of-control train by using slow motion to show the train <laughs> going around a corner. Uh, but, uh, and like the new Planet of the Apes movies, like the old Planet of the Apes movies are great, 
but the new ones, uh, they took it in a new direction. I don't like the new, new ones, not the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, which has amazing costumes, but doesn't really make sense as yeah. a movie. Uh, Gillian, do you want to join us in possibly offending people we may want to work with in the future by, <laughs> by slagging their remakes? I will go with one with that um, I just didn't see because the original is so dear to me, which is Point Break. And oh, so yes. I, have, I have not seen, I should say, I've not seen the remake, but I'm just sort of like, I just don't know what else I would want, um, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, and, and anytime anyone says, you know, well, not anytime, but a lot of times when they say, you know, CGI has come so far for me, it's not necessarily with stunts and special effects is not necessarily a selling point. Cause you know, I think. Yeah. Stuff like John Carpenter's, you know, The Thing, like, to me, I don't want to see that remade with all the latest, you know, evolution of CDI. Like, I love the way it was done. To me, it's yeah. oftentimes scarier, um, mm -hmm. you know. But, but with that, with Point Break, I was like, I don't know, you know, uh, I just, I, I love the original so much that I, there's some that where I'm just like, even if it's wonderful, I still, I'm still going to be watching it with my arms crossed, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then yeah, also totally the practical effects uh, in something like The Thing, like even now I watch it and like, you know, I know that there are effects, but the, the physical, like not only are they scary, but the, the physical nature of them makes me watch it and think like, how did they how did do they that? Do like, yeah. they, those are yeah. still incredible the, and baffling. I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into a physical versus or like practical versus uh, digital effects argument, but the... I, oftentimes, I think that the limitations can cause some interesting creative choices that, like like Jaws, for instance. You I was about to say, like Bruce Jaws the Shark, remake, yeah. Where you're like, there's, but this time you get to see a shitload of that cool-ass shark. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but on the other hand, I heard recently that uh, Billy Crystal's finally going to remake Forget Paris, taking advantage of CGI to, <laughs> to really do what he couldn't do in the original. And I can't wait to see how he takes advantage of it, you know? Okay, guys. The four of us have been tasked. We have we have just been hired to remake Uninvited. What are, oh who, who do we cast? What are we what are we doing? Well, are we going to change the story at all, or are we using the same screenplay? Because it seems like there are some script issues that we might have to deal with <laughs> yeah. before we get to casting. Uh, maybe. I mean, what more broadly drawn character types? <laughs> I think bigger teeth for character. Is that in the script or is that part of the yeah. casting process? In, in the original script, it says Albert, uh, Albert, 50, uh, a henchman with huge teeth and Clue Googler was like calling his agent was like, I don't think I have big enough teeth for this role. <laughs> Clue, don't worry, they'll figure it out. They really want you to read for this part. Okay, but just, <laughs> how do I get across the big teeth? Clue, you're the, you're the artist, just figure it out. <laughs> You know, just you know, like just like a physical transformation. Maybe by like the way you like hunch your back will like make your teeth look bigger. <laughs> It'll make your teeth more prominent. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, moving on to the next and final letter. Chris last name withheld writes, "Hey peaches," uh, and hey, in the Chris. connection, I recently saw the taking of Pelham One Two Three, and realized how much I loved the film's use of New York City's geography and infrastructure. Hey, wait, pause. I have an idea for this remake. What? Now, okay. the, the big difference is in at the very end when, uh, you know, they've already punched the, the cat monster off uh, the rowboat once. <laughs> he climbs back up and he's like, they're like, oh, no, it's not over yet. Then the cat monster opens his mouth and there's a second cat monster inside his mouth. <laughs> That's how you know it's not your daddy's uninvited. Yep. Extra okay. cat monsters. Uh, it's cat monsters all the way down. 
uh, uh, I recently saw The Taking of Pelham 123. It's 1974. Uh, the writer clarifies. The classic uh, the one, the original, yeah. Uh, likes the use of New York City's geography and infrastructure. I've often found films that really play with the city's geography, particularly engaging and exciting, including Dirty Harry in San Francisco, albeit a problematic film, as he says, uh, and Motherless Brooklyn with New York. Are there any movies you think are especially effective in the way they use the geography and space of their location? Thank you, Chris, last last name withheld. Uh, I will pander to our guest for a moment. I don't know in Widows whether it was in the screenplay or a directorial choice, but I, I found very striking the scene where um, they're driving from the underprivileged neighborhood to the much more privileged neighborhood where, uh, is it Colin Farrell's character yeah. lives? Uh, and the camera remains outside of the car for the entire conversation. You can see the na- neighborhoods change. Um, and I thought that was uh, a very striking uh, choice that was made. Um, Why, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I love, I live in Chicago, and uh, Steve wanting to film it in Chicago, I just, for me, Chicago's just such a great, that's why, I mean, I, I think Widows came out right when I was trying to convince Amazon that we could film the Utopia um, in Chicago, and I think, you know, it's, it's Widows is such a dirty valentine to Chicago, you know, the, the city has such strange and layered architecture and you know it basically is a prairie town with skyscrapers so the shadows and the light uh, at certain times are just you can use them so well and and the different neighborhoods are so distinctive you know even from even movies like the fugitive that use chicago and use it well are you know some of those uh, little locations that, that they go to are, you know, it's like you would only find that building in Chicago. And so it's why I always get so disappointed when, you know, you see a movie and it's like skyline of Chicago and then a the camera goes down and you're like, that's Toronto. That's not Chicago. <laughs> yep. They're eating, yeah. uh, they're eating hot dogs with poutine all over them. And you're like, <laughs> <"Fuck> this. <laughs> and you're like, there should be celery salt on that. Not uh-huh. poutine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Why aren't they oh, eating pizza stew? What's going on? <laughs> I also want to say <laughs> yeah. this is a, 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 I feel like a less seen movie than I would like. Uh, I really like Premium Rush. Elliot and I saw yeah. it uh, when we were at a convention, uh, talked it up, and then one of our coworkers saw it and would not <laughs> stop talking about how much he hated Premium Rush and how we thought we were idiots. But I love that movie. <laughs> for and, weeks, uh, for weeks he was mad at us for, for recommending that movie to him. <laughs> but. What I liked about that movie was, look, it doesn't matter. I mean, movies are, they make up the geography all the time. But one of the fun things about it is how accurate that movie is about New York geography. Uh, For a movie that's all about, like, getting from uptown to downtown, they are very careful about that. And it's it's part of the fun, I think. I was going to mention Premium Rush also. I know New York's geography much better than other places just because I lived there for so long. But, like, also the way the Warriors uses New York, where I, I remember, like, they would show the warriors on Monster Vision, and Joe Bob Briggs would follow along with their journey on a map on a map of New York subway system. It'd show you they're at this point now, they're at this point now. They really like they did such a good job of uh, of really sticking the story to where where they were going to be at any given point, you know. Uh, but it's you know I'm sure there are other places where they do that too. Like uh, I'm sure in uh, like uh, I don't know 
maybe well, and I if, like, I, walked, I, like, if I knew Tokyo, uh, I'd be like, oh yeah, Gojira really, really gets across the, <laughs> he goes starts here and he goes here, you know. And I'm a sucker for any kind of thriller that really takes advantage, like really establishes the geography of the space that they're using, whether it's something like on a smaller level, like Panic Room, that's all in a, you know, a brownstone or something like Tremors, where you're like, you got to know exactly how far you got to run so you don't get gobbled up by one of those graboids, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. the, uh, I, I love uh, I'm a big fan of movies where they clearly you know, got some sort of tax break incentive for, mm-hmm. you know, acting as a tourist sort of thing. Like, um, I love um, Brainstorm, the Christopher Walken, Natalie Wood movie, which was filmed in Durham. And, le- like, they use so many, they're like, meet me at the statue of so-and-so. That's in the beautiful park near, you know, and, <laughs> and they're, they're constantly meeting at these places where it's like, the st- you know, you're meeting at, like, old... Uh, ancient statues or at one point uh christopher walken rides his recumbent bike through town so you're literally getting (laughs) an incredibly long scene where he's riding through beautiful durham (laughs) um i don't think i've ever seen that movie i'm gonna have to check it out you know so that i can prepare for a future trip to durham (laughs) (laughs) that's all you need see what you gotta see Uh, you can finally achieve your dream of of uh of opening up the brainstorm tour of Durham where you just take people around to all the, all the sites from the movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, my, my plan is to take at least one visit, pick out a location, find some nice real estate, and then open up a bar that sells dark and brainstormies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Well, we're in the home stretch. Now we're going to do the final segment of our show, which is recommendations, you know, watch uninvited, a lot of fun, but also maybe check out one of these movies. Um, I'll kick us off. I went upstate recently. It was the first time I left uh, Brooklyn since quarantine. So, are you happened. recommending going on a vacation? I'm or? recommending <laughs> getting the hell out. Uh, so, my movie is the Hudson Valley. No, but um, so I I went to a drive-in movie. It was great. It was the first theater experience that i've had uh since everything shut down and uh yet again i fell asleep for the later movie but i watched the first movie which was hocus pocus which i had not ever seen because i was a little too old for it and i had no younger siblings but and also at the time all the reviews were pretty pretty bad but then it became uh like sort of a cult favorite of uh millennials and i always assumed it was another space jam i always assumed that it was not a good movie a movie that like i would be like why do you like this but i watched it and it's so much weirder than i thought it would be like all of the witches are so much fun there is a joke involving a uh, lobster that just lasts for like it's a very short joke but it was so funny i laughed so hard um i don't know it's just like if you've never seen it it's I think it's probably a different movie than you're assuming. It is a strange movie and also a movie that's unafraid to get dark for a children's movie. Like, it starts out with child murder. So, um, that's <laughs> and it only my gets funnier for the Hocus <laughs> Pocus Buck. Starts out with child murder. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. So, if you missed it, Hocus Pocus. Elliot. Well, 
Stuart. Well, what what am I going to recommend? I could... No, no, Dan said Elliot. Oh, yeah, okay. I guess I guess Elliot will go. You have um I, I don't know. I was going to talk about a, a movie that I was actually in. Uh, oh. Is that fair? Is that allowed? I don't know. Uh, uh, is it a movie you like? Would you recommend uh, it if you yeah, weren't in I, it? I would. I think. I mean, it's tough because I can't really pull myself out of it. But uh, I guess. I mean, I feel like I have to recommend it now that I've started talking about it. All right, stop whispering. I think so. I think so. And it is October. It's the perfect time for a movie that I assume is horror-y. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that I am very briefly in. I get like one line and some sound effects in a scene, a scene at the Galactic Council on the planet of Gygax. The movie mm-hmm. is called Psycho Gore Man, uh, directed by a buddy of mine and friend of the podcast, uh, Stephen Kostansky. He directed The Void, uh, Manborg. He directed a short in uh, one of the ABCs of Death. Um, and it is a monster movie with a ton of big splattery monster effects. Uh, it is about uh, two kids who find a exiled alien overlord uh, who they name Psycho Goreman, or PG for short. Uh, and because they which is have also his- what the movie is rated, I assume. I mean, that's it's it says it on the poster. <laughs> You'd have to look uh, at the much smaller letters to see the actual rating. Uh, <laughs> And, I mean, why would you look down there when you could be looking at the cool monsters on the poster? The, um, so they find his amulet, and they can take control of him. And so despite the fact that he wants to destroy the universe, he has to do the bidding of these children. Uh, and it's a lot of fun, and it's gross, and it's kind of like if... Uh, it's kind of like a cross between Suburban Commando and, uh, and, like, a Power Rangers episode that was also super gory. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be coming to streaming... Uh, Sometime next year to Shudder. Uh, right now you can see it at select uh, movie festivals. Psycho Goreman. Mm. Exciting. Elliot? Should I go next? Okay, I'm going to yeah. recommend not exactly a horror movie, but a movie that is frightening in what it says about the way that power corrupts and politics inevitably, uh, you know, goes <laughs> bad. Uh, it's the movie <laughs> Danton, starring Gerard Depardieu from 1983. This is directed by uh, the Polish director Andre Wadja. I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, but it's uh-huh. a French language movie. And it's the story of Danton, the French revolutionary, uh, and the end of his life as he was tried for treason by the men that he once worked with uh, and eventually executed. Spoiler alert, that's what happened in real life. Uh, and it's a kind of a story about what happens when people who are in power become so attached to their ideology that they say they're doing everything and believe they're doing everything for the good of the people and either don't notice or don't care to notice that what they're doing is crushing those people. Uh, And it felt very relevant in many ways to what's going on now. But it's also, you know, uh, a movie with a lot of great performances. The guy who plays uh, Robespierre in it, who is a Polish actor whose name uh, I cannot remember, is really fantastic in it. And it's a, you know, just kind of a frightening movie about how a political system can get overtaken and uh, twisted into a way that's ultimately terrible for everybody. Uh, one warning, there is a scene of a young boy in a bath, so if you don't want to see a young boy in a bath, I guess don't see the movie. I just don't want you to be thrown by it, as I was. The purpose of the scene is that he's being forced at all times to learn the uh, the new French legal code, even when he is bathing, but it was just kind of weird to see a naked kid in a movie not realizing it would be there. So now I've warned you, <laughs> yeah. and you can see it. And that's Danton. 
Uh, and Gillian, do you have a recommendation? I have one I watched just recently with my son, because I was about his age when I saw it, the movie theaters, Cloak and Dagger. Oh, yeah. It is... I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know if it was going to hold up or if I'd still like it. And we both had so much fun. It's uh, young Henry Thomas from E.T. Uh, and Dabney Coleman at his, as his dad. And he basically, the kid is, his mom has passed away. His dad is a workaholic and is always busy. And he has this uh, character that he's infatuated with uh, who comes to life in his imagination but you can see him he's also played by Dabney Coleman and Henry Thomas ends up uh, getting a, a hold of uh, like an Atari video game that actually contains top secrets and is therefore chased uh, throughout San Antonio which uh, made me think of it because I was recently thinking of movies that use their uh, settings well and he's they uh, they use San Antonio uh, by uh, any sorts of, of bad guys it's really fun I had quite a delightful time watching it and that's uh, directed mm -hmm. by Richard Franklin who's one of my favorite exploitation directors from Australia he's like a very like he's a very like big like Hitchcock out Acolyte and Cloak and Dagger is like kids Hitchcock, but he he did Psycho two, and he did Link, uh -oh. a movie where uh, an orangutan is in love with Elizabeth Shue, and yeah. he did Road <laughs> Games, which is like uh, Rear Window but with a truck uh, yeah. instead of uh, an apartment, and I, I I like him a lot. Road um, Games, I have to write that down. Road Games, yeah. yeah. Road Games rules. Got Stacy Keach and, uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Jamie right? Lee Curtis, yeah. Say no more. I'm in. Um, well, Four recommendations. Stuart four. is only in one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> See, so choose that one first. I you guess. know which one to prioritize. <laughs> yep. It was it was pretty fun when uh, the credits rolled and I actually saw my name in the credits. I like got up and ran around the room like Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. um, hey, Shocktober's over, but thank you so much, Gillian, for doing this. I gotta say... When you uh, tweeted at uh, the show, and I found out that you were a listener, like it made my month, and but also terrified me that I was like, "What are we going to do to to lose her? Like, what? <laughs> how are we going to?" Oh, have her on the show and force her to sit through it. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yes. Everyone loves on. everyone loves having writers on their shows. Uh, <laughs> 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 the off, I'm often well, demand writer person. <laughs> but thank you. I have you. enjoyed your your work so much. So it was it was very exciting. Well, thank you for having me. It was a, as joyful and wonderful as I had hoped and thought it would be. <laughs> Um, well, uh, but we and should happy sign October. Off. Oh, thank you. And do you, do you want to, I mean, you, oh, yeah, should you, you yeah, want to plug anything? Yes. I, on, I would love to. Thank you. Yeah. I have, uh, on Amazon right now is a show that I, um, uh, speaking of remakes, it's a remake of a beloved UK, uh, cult show called Utopia. And I wrote and produced, um, and was the showrunner, so I'm very proud of it. Yeah, it has stars Rain Wilson and John Cusack. I want to say that uh, we just, uh, my wife and I, just finished uh, what the first the first season. There's one season up, uh, and we loved it. And I particularly want to point out, like the the pilot 
is so fucking good. Like, I haven't been hooked by the first episode of a show like that in a long time. So it's great. Check it oh, out. Thank you. And, and I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show so sh- shortly after it premiered when I assume you're extremely busy. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I always make time for my flop house. Um, you, you get, but, seriously, you guys got me. You guys were my very first podcast I ever listened to. What? Um, because I had not, I you know, I'm a writer, so I work from home, so I had oh. not understood the whole podcastery. And then all last year when we were filming and having these insane long road trips to different uh, locations, I would put on flop house, and so it was great to be able to like start at the beginning with you guys and listen. Listen all the way through, and my oh, and my husband wanted to thank you for he recently listened to your Hudson Hawk episode, <laughs> and oh, and finally he is on board because I had listened to it a while before and it was like we should watch Hudson Hawk. He's like I don't think we should. Stop making me watch Uninvited and Hudson Hawk, and uh, and he is now fully on board. So thank oh, nice. you guys for that. Oh, we'll probably watch Excellent. it soon. Guys, I think I know why she likes the show. It's the first podcast she ever heard. <laughs> she doesn't know there are much better shows out there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a large part of our success, Dan, is we've just been doing it a long time. <laughs> it totally is. Uh, well, anyway, thank you to our guests. Thank you to Jordan Cowling for editing the show. Thank you to Maximum Fun for being our network. Um, we appreciate all of you. Uh for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. Ellie Kalen, also saying goodbye. And our guest. I'm Gillian Flynn. Happy October. Bye. 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 She, she slips in her watermelons being thrown into pools sound effect CD. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, she did apples being thrown into pools, and we're like, mm, not loud enough. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.